Thank you. I'm really uh, glad that you decided to take part in our site uh, online worship service today. If uh, you have a device and you want to turn to the U uh, version uh, uh, live event, please just go look for the Bay City Wrestling Church event. There it is. I know this is strange for some of us to see me sitting on a stool. I'm just getting me to get on a stool is strange. Uh, it's different. But I'm not even going to try to tell you that it's biblical. It is biblical, but I'm not going to try to. I'm not just going to tell you. It's, it's safer for both of us. Well, safer for me anyway. Sometimes my knee just goes where it wants to go, and I'm not going with it, and that's the problem. We're, uh, we're talking about life in God's kingdom. Jesus declared that God's kingdom uh, launched, uh, essentially launched an, an invasion to recapture earth uh, when he was uh, uh, here. He, he came to this broken world in his, uh, with his birth and his life, and he, he brought the kingdom. He promised, though, that it was going to grow and ultimately change everything. He told parables like uh, yeast. A woman or whoever bakes bread, they put a little bit of yeast in the dough and it changes the whole lump of dough. Uh, or a little seed, like a mustard seed, grows into a huge plant. And he says, that's the way the kingdom is. It's got, it doesn't look like much right now, but it's going to change everything. And then he taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And we pray for his kingdom to ultimately fully come together. This week I reread one of my favorite uh, books on prayer. I, some of you have stepped into my uh, study there and, and asked me if I've read all the books that are in there. And, and I, I have a canned response. My canned response is some of them several times. Think about that carefully. Some of them I have read several times. Some of them I've never even opened, uh, just to be honest. But it sounds so much better when I say some of them I've read several times because it kind of gives the impression I've read all those books. Now I haven't. Some of them are just reference books. You know, that's like asking a librarian if they've ever opened all the books in the library. Well, no. They, nobody has, I don't think. But uh, this is one of the books that I've read several times, and I reread it this week. It's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. It's by uh, Pastor Jim Cimbala from the uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle. Uh, his wife leads the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Uh, they get a whole lot more publicity. Well, there's more of them, and they sing. They sing. So I don't think he minds. Um, in his book... Pastor Simbola points out that we need to keep God's kingdom in first place. This is what he says. He says, I see many churchgoers uh, are caught up. I'm sorry, you have to switch to book reading mode. I see many churchgoers are caught up with being part of the middle class scene or with being white or, or black 
or whatever. God, God did not call me. He says, God did not call me to be a white middle class Christian. He called me to be a Christian. Period. And whatever he asks takes precedence over every other loyalty. Even being a, an American is not of the same magnitude with being a seeker after God. Preserving the American culture cannot be allowed to compete with advancing God's kingdom. Whatever God approves of comes first. Whatever grieves him has to go. God's kingdom has to come first. Always. For those of us who are part of his kingdom. Now, if, if somebody's not part of his kingdom, that doesn't matter. But if we're part of God's kingdom, then his kingdom comes first. For quite a while, there's been in our country, in our community, in our congregation, there's been this kind of an unspoken, although maybe sometimes spoken, kind of this general sense that something's not right, and we don't like it. The last 18 months to two years has not helped things. It's made things really more obvious, right? Uh, something's not right, and we don't like it. Or maybe uh, there are things we don't like, and we think they're not right. I'm not sure which it is. Either way, uh, nearly everyone that I've talked to, whether they're in a church or in the community or wherever, there are so many people who sense that this world is out of control, that our nation is tumbling in turmoil, our families are under immense pressures of different kinds than we've ever recognized before. And our church, our congregation has slowed down and it's dwindled. Something's not right. We have questions. All kinds of questions. Why did they make that decision? When, when will we get back to normal? When will we restart this program or that service? When, what, what's wrong with doing this or saying that or preaching this or preaching that? What, why can't we say this thing or that thing? Why, why don't we try this? It's, it, it, I know it's a new idea, but why don't we try something? And, and this list could go on and on and on and on and on, believe me. I, we have all kinds of questions. Something's wrong, and we don't like it, and we have lots of questions. We, and we feel compelled to do something about it. As I was reading, one of the reasons I like to read this book over and over again, I had forgotten this whole thing. I, I was confronted with a whole list of different questions. As I was reading this book, Jim Simbola asked three questions to kind of put all my, the questions I've just listed in wastebasket, in my opinion. He asked this question, these three questions, where are the converts? His words, where are the crowds of new converts? 
Where are the joyful baptisms? Where are the vibrant prayer meetings? Seems like we've been asking the wrong questions. And I learned a long time ago, whenever you ask the wrong questions, you're always going to get the wrong answers. No matter how good your answers are to the wrong question, it's still the wrong question and it's the wrong answer. We're so sure that what we've always done is the only way to build God's kingdom that we refuse to listen to the Holy Spirit and to his leading. And so I'm going to ask a different question this morning. As we're looking at what it's like to live in God's kingdom, I want to ask the question, what is God's strategy for expanding his kingdom? As we live in his kingdom, as Jesus has promised that his kingdom was going to grow like yeast in a lump of dough, like a seed in a garden, what's the strategy? We talked about this a little bit last week. Jesus created a whole brand new way of looking at God's kingdom. He invited all kinds of people to follow him, to become his disciples. He, he invited some rather uh, rough-and-ready fishermen. He invited tax collectors. He invited uh, rebel extremists. He, okay, some of you are wondering, what does that mean? Simon the Zealot was one of his disciples. In first century Israel, a zealot was essentially a guerrilla warrior trying to get rid of Roman army occupation. He was a rebel extremist who looked for ways to kill Romans. And Jesus asked him to sit down with Matthew the tax collector for supper who worked for the Romans. So this is something we never thought about when we sang that little song in, school, in uh, Sunday school, was it? There were 12 disciples, Jesus called them. Two of them wanted to kill each other. Well, that wasn't in there, was it? On any other day, if they had been following Jesus, if they met each other on the street, Simon would have just been as likely to slit Matthew's throat as he would have had to look at it. But things happen differently when you're following Jesus. Oh, he also had prostitutes that followed him. He called women to be his disciples, not just men. That really messed things up. He asked Samaritans, an entire Samaritan village, by the way, to be his disciples. Romans and Gentiles, too. In fact, his highest words of praise for, people, for a person's faith were reserved for a Roman soldier. Can you imagine how that must have really gotten Simon, the zealot? The highest praise. I've never found anybody in the whole house of Israel with this kind of faith. Jesus established a kingdom, God's kingdom, as a centered community, 
as a kingdom centered on people's relationship with him, and every person who followed him, regardless of their background or regardless of where they were coming from, belonged to the kingdom and belonged to God's family. So God's kingdom looked pretty messy, confusing, and complex, and it still does. It's difficult sometimes to look around and go, well, they belong and they don't belong. It's hard to know who's in and who's out. I grew up in a church, so I have a unique sense of humor. Well, I probably would have had a unique sense of humor by growing up anywhere else, but uh, I'm going to blame it on growing up in the church because I've had seen and heard things that other people haven't. I, I remember this happened in a state, not in Indiana, okay, but another state south of here. We were sitting around a dinner table, and uh, a, a, an older pastor's wife was talking about how she had just recently been to a state park, and they were walking down this trail, and they saw this woman at this little overlook, and, and she thought, oh, she's one of ours. And now here, let me tell you why she thought she's one of ours. She had her hair piled. She had long sleeves. Collar up to here, skirt down mid-calf, dark hose, and heels on a hiking trail. Because that's the way God wants women to dress when they go hiking. Sorry. And they got up there all ready to greet this dear Christian sister. And as they stepped up next to her to say hello, she turned around and blew cigarette smoke in her face. <laughs> How could somebody who looks so much like she's one of ours be smoking? Those of you who grew up like I did know exactly why they were shocked. I, I tried not, I did good. I did not laugh out as loud as I thought I would. I, I did chuckle though, uh, you know. See, that's the problem. We want it to be all so nice and easy. Well, she's dressed like one of us. She must be one of us. Whoops. She's smoking. She can't be one of us. Well, why don't you stop and ask her if she's following Jesus? She might just be somebody who dresses like us and smokes and follows Jesus. You know, some of us don't get over the habits we had as fast as we'd like to. Oh, I'm going to meddle a little bit. One of my mentors and heroes is a guy named Dr. Jimmy Johnson. Before he was, he grew up in the church. And before he really gave himself to following Jesus, he loved to smoke a pipe. He said, and one of his, part of his testimony was, I have friends who smoked and smoked and smoked. They, they gave their life to Jesus and started following Jesus and they never wanted to smoke again their entire life. To this very day, nothing drives them faster than the smell of good pipe tobacco. I don't smoke. I know it's not good for me. I made a commitment not to do it. But I want to. 
don't know why Jesus doesn't take that away. He does it for us people, but he doesn't do it for me. Hmm. God's kingdom can look messy and confusing and complex. It's difficult to know sometimes who's in and who's out because we don't all look alike, we don't all talk alike, and we don't all act alike. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because that means there's room for me. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 to 10 this week. We're going to look at, at the, the God's uh, strategy, his, his desire, his plan, his way of building God's his kingdom and his family. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Oh, there's a whole other sermon right here, Mark. I know. I better come back to that someday. Uh, Aaron, Kristen, did you want to be making note that that bearing with one another is a good idea for Sunday? Thank you. Just make a note somewhere. I, I don't have any way of doing that right now. So, All right. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And he is the one that brings the kingdom together. God's the center. And everybody is going toward the center of the kingdom. Everybody is focused on God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody is moving toward God is in the kingdom. Then Paul goes on to say, but to each of us, there's, there's one of all this, but to each of us, in all of our individualness, to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Then he decides to explain that to us a little bit. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He went down so he could go up. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Jesus descended before he ascended. That's the foundation for his strategy to build God's kingdom. So if I'm understanding this correctly, if I'm understanding what I think God is saying to me and to us, what's not right is not on the schedule. What's not right is not so much in 
what we're doing or not doing. What's not right is in our hearts. Our pride blinds us to that fact, and our longing for safety prevents us from receiving the blessings that Jesus wants to give us. And worse than that, that pride that blinds us to our the need that we need to have a hearts change and our longing to feel safe keeps us from sharing the freedom and the healing and the salvation Jesus wants to give to other people through us. Master Assembla, again, I read this, read this book from this. I as I was reading it this week, I said, did he, did, did he write this just for this sermon? I didn't saw it. Man, alive. All this stuff is good for this week. I don't know. He said, we need to look at our concern for people who are dirty. need to look at our concern for people who are dirty, people who are other, people who don't fit the core group's image. The, the ravages of sin are not pleasant, but they are what Jesus came to give and heal. Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Spirit of God is a spirit of mercy, of compassion, of reaching out. And yet, we Christians often hesitate to reach out to those who are different. We want God to clean the fish before we catch them. If someone's gold ring is attached to an unusual body part, or if the person doesn't smell the best, or if the, the skin color is not the same, Christians tend to hesitate. But think for a moment about God reaching out to us. read about it in Philippians. And we've read that Philippians 2 passage several times. It's kind of an echo of what Paul, uh, Paul says right here in Ephesians about how Jesus did not consider equality with God something to grasp, but he became a slave, a human being, a sacrifice, Died on a cross, a criminal's death. For us, I, I'm glad we, we, caught, we, we paired that this morning with, the, uh, with Isaiah chapter 6. There's a reminder of who that was. That was the king who was sitting on the throne that we scared Isaiah almost to death. Isaiah is my kind of people, by the way. That was Isaiah chapter 6. 
first five chapters, you need to read the first five chapters to get a real good background for Isaiah chapter 6. First five chapters of, of Isaiah are filled with woe to you. Woe to you, slumlords. Woe to you, idol worshippers. Woe to you, adulterers. Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. Oh, you terrible sinners. Woe, you people are bad. Woe, God's going to get you. Near the king Uzziah's side, I saw the king high and lifted up. Woe is me, I'm dead. Because I'm a man with unclean lips. And I'm just as bad as everybody else around me. That's what happens when we see the king. We suddenly realize, whoa, it's me. Also, simultaneously, we will feel his welcome and his forgiveness and his grace. <coughs> See, Jesus still invites all kinds of people to follow him, to become his disciples. He, he, he invites some rather coarse uh, factory workers, greedy swindlers, political extremists. Uh, still invites prostitutes. He invites folks from the LB, LGBTQ. I never have. I, I, my tongue gets twisted every time I try to say that. He invites folks that aren't like me. He invites Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, and other religions. He calls them to come follow him. And I want you to remember this, regardless of where they started, any person who, and every person who's following Jesus belongs to God's kingdom. Yes, it's messy. Yes, it's confusing. Yes, it's complex. Yes, they probably aren't all going to look like us. They may even turn around and, no, I'm just, that, you know what I'm going to say. It's difficult to know sometimes who's in and who's out, but it doesn't matter because that's not my job. My job is to focus on loving Jesus and helping them love him too. There are four kinds of churches I talked about last week, and we are called to be the fourth kind of church. And if you want to know a good example of that fourth kind of church, Brooklyn Tabernacle is an example of that kind of church. We're not okay, you're not okay, but that's okay because Jesus will make us way better than okay. Well, let's follow him together. We don't care if you're a prostitute, a drug addict, a stockbroker, a banker. We don't care what you are, where you stand, how messed up your life is, or how successful you think you are. You need Jesus just like we do. That's the way they do business, do business, kingdom business, at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. That's what we're called to do as a church. That's when God's kingdom grows. Jesus can change anybody and everybody. Let's follow him. <laughs> Pastor Simple says, as Christians reach out to touch everyone, including the unlovely, who are now everywhere in our society, 
applause. The unlovely have been everywhere. We just ignored them for a long time. Sorry, that's just. As we reach out to touch everyone, including the unlovely and the people who are different than us, God touches them too and revolutionizes their life. There's no demonstration. There are no demonstrations of God's power because we have closed ourselves off from the need for such demonstrations. See, left to ourselves, Pastor Mark's talking now, left to ourselves with our pride and our self-protective passion, we're, we're as toxic as the lead pipes carrying water to our neighbors in Flint and Benton Harbor. We cannot fix our problem without God's intervention. Well, here's some words some of you might recognize. There is power, power, wonder-working power available to the citizens of God's kingdom. I'm actually going to focus on two of those ver two verses and the chorus from that song. Uh, no, I'm not going to sing it. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, too, by the way. Would you be free from your passion and pride? So many times we think that that song is thought of as a song for sinners, but it's also a song for those of us who are part of the family who need to get our act together. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. In case you didn't get it the first time, I want to remind you there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you do service for Jesus your King? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood. We need that wonder-working power to set us free from our passions and pride. The people around us need to experience that same power as we follow Jesus. Pastor Zimbla shares this. Yes, I'm going to get my you. He's got lots of good stuff in his book. If you have never read this book, I'm going to highly recommend that you read this book. If you read it, read it again. Pastor Jim Simla says, people pay attention when they see that God actually changes persons and sets them free. I think, this is my own personal opinion, I'm just going to interject this right here. I think that the reason we have three other kinds of churches, besides the kind of church that says, Jesus, we're not okay, but Jesus is going to make us better than okay, the reason there are three other kinds of churches is because there's not enough of us saying, he's going to make us better than okay. And we're not seeing it happen, because we're not saying it. Okay. 
When a new Christian, Pastor Simple says, when a new Christian stands up and tells how God has revolutionized his or her life, no one dozes off. So I'm not talking about when somebody stands up and goes, you know, I was a pretty nice guy, and now I'm a really nice guy. Everybody's bored with that. <laughs> Somebody stands up and says, I was a hateful, spiteful, cynical gossip. And now I just want to tell people how good God is and how God can help them. And I don't want to ever, ever again say anything nasty about somebody. Everybody's going to be going, what? How'd that happen? When someone is healed or released from a life-controlling bondage, everyone takes notice. These things bear witness to a God who is strong and alive. So Pastor Simbola, I would ask if he was here, how do we open the door for the Spirit to work freely to do those things? And he would say, if we do not yearn and pray and expect God to stretch out his hand and do the supernatural, it will not happen. That is the simple truth of the matter. We must give him room to operate. We do not yearn and pray and expect. Jesus descended before he ascended. He descended to lovingly serve us. He descended to proclaim the news of God's kingdom. He descended to release the Spirit's power to heal, to liberate, to raise the dead. And then he ascended, then he descended, I'm sorry, he descended into death's grave, only to ascend from there to the throne of heaven again. And now he rules as the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever and ever and ever. He set the pattern for us to follow as we work to expand God's kingdom. We need to descend to loving and serve other people. We need to descend to proclaim the kingdom. We need to descend to allow his power to flow through us, to change us and to change the people around us. So here's the sermon in a sentence. Go ahead. Ray, are you following? Because I forgot all about it. Good. Loving service. And carrying proclamation and the acts of the Holy Spirit inevitably produce transformed lives. <laughs> Loving service, carrying proclamation, and acts of the Holy Spirit's power inevitably produce transformed lives. We've been asking the wrong questions. And that always leads to the wrong answers. We've been, we've been focused on what we can do and what we're comfortable doing, what we like and what we want. But Jesus descended to bring the transforming power of God's transforming power of God's love into our broken, dying world. He sends us to share that same loving power with the people around us. So we need to start asking different questions. 
Where are the new followers of Jesus? Where are the joyful baptisms? Where are the healings? Where are the liberated addicts? Where are the restored marriages and families? Where are the testimonies of God's wonder-working power? Something is not right. And this is it. Now in a moment, I'm going to invite you to pray here at the altar rail if you feel glad to do so. But first, I'm going to uninvite some of you. Some of you are getting nervous, but it's all right. I'm going to uninvite you if the main reason for coming is that you want to come because of what other people will th might think if you don't come. Jesus has a whole section about that kind of stuff in the Sermon on the Mount. If you do stuff because of what other people might think, the only thing you're going to get out of it is that People, if they are actually thinking about you, will think about you. We need way more going on here than thinking about each other. We need Jesus to be moving in us and through us and making lives different. So do not come to pray unless the Holy Spirit is drawing you to do something. But if the Holy Spirit is drawing you to come, if you want to see God's power at work in us as individuals and as a congregation, then I want to invite you to come and pray at the altar rail. Okay, so wouldn't be the end of the thing, uh, service until we uh, did this part. You're, you're, you're going to go live as sent ones. Because that's who we are. So as you live as sent ones, may the beauty of Jesus shine in your eyes. May the love of Jesus shine in your actions. May the wisdom of Jesus shine in your words. May the grace of Jesus flow from your heart. You are sent. Go with Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.